In this episode of What's in the Story, we will be talking about One Piece and the Jujutsu Kaisen manga. Viewer discretion is advised. There will be spoilers. Welcome back to What's in the Story, your one-stop shop for two random people critically assessing various forms of media and talking like we're actual experts. I'm Mega. And I'm Fat. And welcome to the show. Today's topic is what makes it good foreshadowing and why is foreshadowing useful? In order to clearly show the positives and negatives of foreshadowing, we'll be looking at two series with quite a few examples of short and long-term foreshadowing. We'll be talking about One Piece and Jujutsu Kaisen, starting with One Piece. As a general rule, foreshadowing has to be paid off, eventually. Small details that aren't paid off lead to an unsatisfying experience for both the reader and the viewer. In the cover page for chapter 668, there is a depiction of Ace in Whitebeard's Graves. There is a crate with a bottle of sake and three sake cups on it. Later, in chapter 731, it is revealed that Luffy's other brother, Sabo, was still alive. This compounded by the fact that the Revolutionary Army was at the Goa Kingdom shows a clear intention from the author to reintroduce Sabo later. By providing small hints, Oda was able to both surprise the reader and make a believable twist. In chapter 301, when Nico Robin is reading... One of the poem books, she states that there are two different kinds. Some have information, such as Joy Boy's message to the mermaid princess, while others have locations leading to other poneglyphs. In chapter 818, it is finally revealed that there are a set of four red-colored poneglyphs that lead to the island where the One Piece is located. Laugh too. Robin telling the readers that there are two kinds of poneglyphs didn't specifically refer to the road poneglyphs, but simply by knowing that there are some that have location to another, Pongas makes the reveal of the road Pongas make a lot of sense and is expected with hindsight. And now a message from our sponsor. Tissues. Have you ever been crying and are like, I want something soft to wipe my eyes? Well, shucks. Now you have something to wipe your eyes while you're crying that's soft. Tissues. You can use them. They're little pieces of paper that are nice and soft for your face, your baby soft face. You can wipe your eyes while crying after Jared just broke up with you and you're eating your ice cream and watching a movie on the couch, sobbing into your ice cream. Well, instead of putting your teeth in the ice cream, put your tears in the tissues with tissues. Yeah, buy them, use them, tissues. You didn't have to bring up Jared again. <laughs> Don't sponsor us again, please. So this section of the podcast is going to be a little bit different. Because we don't know if we're right. But this is foreshadowing. And this is one of the benefits. We're going to be talking about Jujutsu Kaisen. Specifically about a specific power that has been demonstrated twice. And may have something to do with what we heard earlier. So, early on in the series, after Yuji Tadori dies, of course, he is inside of his own head with Tsukuna. And they create a binding vow, with the conditions being, when Tsukuna says so, he will be released from inside for one minute. And that Itadori has to forget about the pact. And he will also swear not to kill 
or injure his friends. That is the pact. As far as we know, pacts don't have the ability to fulfill their own requirements. But after Sukuna beats Itadori, the pact goes into effect, and Itadori forgets about the pact. This is a classic example of mind manipulation or memory manipulation, which does seem to go in line with two events that we see later in in the manga, in the anime. Would you like to discuss this fact? Yeah. So first we have Toto, who is an interesting character who kind of overhypes certain things, but he has this fight with Yuji. And in the middle of it, he seems to switch perspectives of how he views Yuji instead of kind of just a comrade in the same job to a brother where his mind seems to have shifted these memories and memories are imported into his brain where he has what he kind of describes as very real and has actually happened of Yuji and Toto having this very long history of playing baseball together, playing different games together, just being friends together that never happened as far as we know as Toto and Yuji only met mere minutes ago. And at first, when this happened, we attributed it as a weird quirk of Aoi Toto because he is a very odd individual. Over the top as well. (laughs) Yep. And it kind of seemed to fit his character. Yeah. And it was something that was in the back of a lot of theorists' minds, but nothing that really came into anything significant. Your minds are just kind of played off as, oh, Toto's just being weird. Until the Shibuya incident arc. Yeah. Where Yuji comes to blows with a cursed womb painting named Choso, who he has not personally dealt with, but Yuji is the one that killed both, well, killed one of his brothers and helped kill the other one. And during the fight, Choso gains the upper hand against Yuji. But after Yuji slips into unconsciousness, Choso happens to remember something. He starts remembering memories that weren't his own. Yeah. And this caused Choso to freak out and and start remembering Yuji as one of his brothers. And it really messed with him for a while. He had to leave and and uh, escape for a little bit. And then later on, he comes back and talks to Yuji as if they've been brothers forever. And this was... That was the moment when readers realized that this was not a random event. Yeah, this isn't just Choso being Choso like Toto was. This is a connected line where Sukuno is able to erase memories from Yuji. Toto has this interaction with Yuji where he has memories replaced. Choso has 
memories replaced with Yuji. It kind of seems to follow the line that Yuji may be able to import memories of them being friends so that the enemy doesn't really view them, view Yuji as an enemy anymore. And it goes in line with what was said by Gojo Satoru uh, while training Yuji, where he said that Yuji would be able to get all of the cursed techniques available to Sukuna. And if this memory manipulation is a technique that Sukuna has and is able to use, this memory manipulation could be the first cursed technique that Yuji gains from Sukuna. And it completely changes Yuji's power set. It completely changes uh, how we see Toto. Because mm-hmm. for most of the series, we just kind of thought that he was weird. But he might not be. It just No, he's definitely He's still weird. weird, but he's definitely not as weird as we once thought. So, foreshadowing can definitely be extraordinarily satisfying when it comes full circle. But when you don't know and you start getting these little hints, it makes the reader think a lot more. And it makes a lot of things more impactful than they would have been otherwise. So... In general, leaving small hints that could lead to something bigger is a good way of making an audience think. Yeah, and theorize which could lead them to reread, rewatch, ingest your media more and have it popularized more as these theories and possible foreshadowing blow up and become more popular. And this will draw new people in because they're like, ooh, I want to know how this interaction worked. Why is this happening? But on the flip side, having a lot of pieces that can be used for foreshadowing can also cause readers to get a little bit too high in their expectations, which is not usually a good thing, but if foreshadowing is done and it's paid off, it is unbelievably satisfying. For the people who thought about that and were right and made theories about it. People who had no idea but like read or watch like previous sections and think, wait a minute, they they mentioned something like that right here. Which makes foreshadowing an incredibly powerful but also kind of risky uh, tool for an author. So, foreshadowing can be used for good and bad. It can definitely help a series. It can hurt a series. If done well, there is nothing more satisfying for a viewer or a reader than predicting a theory. And then paying off and you get this great feeling of foreshadowing and just kind of being more connected to the story in a way with that. But if the author doesn't pay it off or goes a very different direction, it can be very disappointing for the reader who had all these ideas built up and they just don't pan out at all. For example, if Usopp doesn't become God, 
Oda has ruined his story. Yep. He is God Usopp. It has been foreshadowed for a long time. Uh, ever since his birth, actually. Uh, and if Usopp is not God, first he has to slay Enel. Yeah. He has to straight up kill him. Take his throne on the moon and become God. God Usopp. And in case you don't understand the joke, we are joking. This was a joke. Well, this Usopp part. Not the yeah, not the, the Uji thing. Yeah. The the Jujutsu Kaisen thing is fully that is a theory that we believe. The Usopp thing is just a fact at this point, yeah. really. It's just a fact. Yeah, it's like, just a fact. On. Yeah. Like, Oda hasn't said it. Like, yeah. he hasn't been, like... He doesn't need to. Yeah. We just know it's gonna happen. Yeah. It's oh. the longest playing foreshadowing in One Piece. Exactly. And that's saying something. Yeah. One Piece likes to pan out foreshadowing. Which Oda does very well, actually. Absolutely. Thank you for watching. We will see you in the next episode.